Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder and today is Friday, February 9th. And we were just with you a few days ago as a new legislative session kicked off on Monday uh, at the Capitol. Governor Mary found State of the State address. Me and the rest of the political state crew uh, broke down what she had to say. But the week ended with a series of budget bills passing out of committee that really set the stage for some political theater next week. So in this week's episode, we're going old school. It's me and the Capitol reporter for the Oklahoman, Dale Denwalt. Dale, just like the good old days when we started this thing, just you and me. Yeah, but now we have now lights cameras. and uh, cameras and everything else. Yeah, so, well, um, I, like I said, the, the week started with the kind of normal uh, pomp and circumstance of the of a new legislative session, Governor Mary Fallon's State of the State address, and, and everybody responds to that. Um, but it ended with uh, a, thir- a series of uh, budget bills uh, passing through committee mm-hmm. on Thursday. Uh, first, give us kind of a, a rundown of what we saw yesterday. All right, so these are the Step Up Oklahoma proposals. Uh, the Joint Committee on Appropriations and Budget, that's uh, the the tool that lawmakers use to pass these big budget bills. Um, they, they, uh, all, all of those bills that were introduced uh, came out of committee. Not, not all the proposals in the step up plan, mm-hmm. but the uh, uh, more than $500 million in new revenue uh, for, uh, for next year and uh, uh, several million dollars for, for the, to fill the current year hole. And uh, what they, they came out of the, uh, the uh, JCAB committee and uh, probably going to see him on the floor Monday. Yeah, it was it was a surprise that it sailed through committee like it did. I mean, I know there's you know we'll talk about next week here in a few moments, but uh, was there any drama with the the votes on Thursday? Well, the, the only notable thing about the vote is that uh, out of seven Democrats on the JCAB committee, uh, only two supported it. Um, now, uh, a lot of the things, in, uh, and I'm talking about the big uh, budget bill, includes uh, increases on uh, taxes for gross production, gasoline, cigarettes, and uh, a new uh, tax in, in, in that bill uh, is the tax on wind production or wind generation. And um, it was uh, pretty much a party line vote, although two Democrats crossed over and voted for that measure, uh, indicating that there, there is some Democratic support. Um, and the the real key uh, here is is to see um, will it have enough votes to pass uh, the House on Monday? Uh, they need 76. Uh, Republicans alone don't have 76, mm-hmm. and um, there uh, could be some Republicans who don't want to vote for a uh, 500 million dollar uh, tax increase, um, who may uh, decide to uh, go against it. So, uh, Speaker McCall is going to need even more. Democrats to uh, come across the aisle. Yeah, well, we've been talking for the last few weeks, probably longer than that, just about you know these series of of tax increase bills and what it's going to take to to see them become a reality. Um, that high, as you say, that high voter threshold of getting uh, three fourths of the legislature on board. Um, it starts with the House. Um, you know, we've you know talked about whether or not we think the votes are there. You know, with the vote happening maybe just a couple days from now, any better sense on on what it may look like? when the votes are cast? Uh, I've talked to uh, several people who 
uh, really at this point can only offer uh, their opinion of what might happen. Uh, most of them are not optimistic that it will have enough votes to pass. Um, you know, there's still a lot of time between now and Monday. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, I don't have a, a whip count. I haven't asked every member of the legislature how they're going to vote on this. Um, I think only a couple of people probably have, and they're still working. Um, uh, I talked to, to one person on Friday who said that um, seemingly the, the vote changed um, mm -hmm. every time he took a whip count. Um, and so uh, it, it really uh, uh, really depends on, on who's on board on the day that this comes up for a vote. Yeah. Well, and part of that change is going to happen. I mean, you know, you talk about what can change in the next couple of days. Um, heavy presence of lobbyists this week. Mm -hmm. as there always is the Capitol, but especially this week, it seemed like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and you, you talk to lawmakers, and, you know, I was at a function last night and ran into a few lawmakers, and they were just talking about basically being chased around the building by <laughs> lobbyists who are trying to get this. And a lot are in favor. I mean, we, we've yeah. talked about the, the groups, the various groups that have signed up in support of this, uh, the education associations, um, and, and, so, and, you know, the, the chamber, state chamber of mm -hmm. commerce is, is backing this. So there's a lot of, uh, probably, a lot of big lobbying guns. Uh, that are advocating in favor. There's some that aren't, um, but yeah. it seems like a, a lot of effort I is behind this. Um, and this isn't really a partisan issue per se, because you look at both sides of the aisle, uh, there's a need to probably flip some more votes. So you have your, you know, Republic, you know, there's going to be a group of Republicans who are just not going to support a tax increase anyways, but you have those kind of, you know, they're not quite moderate, but uh, would normally, you know, it would take a lot to get them to vote that may be on the fence. And then the Democrats right now, as we've talked about, this is kind of, I mean, they have some problems with these bills, but this is also a moment for them to kind of flex their political muscle. They don't get a chance to do so often. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Democrats continue to uh, to hold their line. Um, you know, obviously we may see some crossover like we did in the JCAP committee, um, but uh, for the most part, uh, Democrats uh, as a whole um, really hold the cards here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they've got uh, more than two dozen votes that if they come together, they can um, have enough votes to push this over the edge uh, and send it on to the Senate and then uh, to the governor. Um, but you know, they, it, it's an election year, and there may be some uh, political calculation going on that um, the longer that this draws is drawn out, the worse that those in charge look. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, I wouldn't wouldn't put it past a politician to think that way. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. Even if the Democrats uh, eventually are going to come on board, it's hard to imagine them rushing to come on board on this. Right. I mean, they've they're probably going to play the slogan. We've talked about this before. Republicans, mm -hmm. you know, those that are in favor of this would like to get this voted and done as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. I suppose for McCall, the, you know, the best thing for him, you know, Speaker McCall, is that within the first week of the session, or the first two mm -hmm. weeks of the session, is, is getting this through and, and, and moving on. Um, you know, putting as much distance between that vote and, you know, the June primaries as possible. Democrats, yeah. not so much. Well, and they've been trying to do that since last year. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Democrats have some very real concerns with the bill. Um, uh, they, uh, for the most part, contend that it uh, it taxes um, um, working families and poor people more than it does uh, the upper class. Um, they, they they point to uh, so-called regressive taxes, um, like uh, the taxes uh, for cigarettes or mm -hmm. the uh, gasoline tax, uh, which you know everyone pays the gasoline tax, but um, if you don't make a whole lot of money, you're yeah. paying more of your paycheck for that particular uh, product. Yeah. Uh, and, and so uh, they, they also say that the, the, the wind uh, tax is unfair to the industry um, 
and they, they point to a couple of things, uh, uh, some promises that supposedly were made uh, about uh, maintaining the wind industry's incentives um, after some cuts uh, over, the, over the last three years. Um, and they have a, a real tough time supporting this bill because it contains several things that, um, several tax raises mm -hmm. that they really don't agree with. Yeah. You know, I was talking to a Democratic lawmaker this week, and we were talking about just this kind of, you know, kind of get, uh, trying to kind of get a sense for, you know, where they might be on the vote. And we were talking about the the election year pressures that might push a lawmaker one way or the other. And this lawmaker, you know, asked me the question, like, well, what Democrat is facing election pressure? And when you really think about it, you know, and I, I don't have the whole list in front of me, but it's an interesting thing. Is I can think of a lot of Democratic races or Democratic uh, lawmakers in the House where I feel like they're probably pretty safe. You know, there's a lot of Republicans that are the same way. Um, you know, I think of someone, though, like uh, Representative Munson, Cindy Munson, you know, mm -hmm. was successful in flipping her seat a couple of years ago. Um, you know, that's a very moderate kind of northwest part of the city. Um, you know, maybe you have, you know, a, a couple others like that. But that's, that's really where I, I think where it would be interesting to see those votes. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Democrats right now, where a lot of their power is, you know, in their urban cores. Um, you know, of the cities um, where they're probably not feeling a lot of pressure from their constituents, especially if they have a pretty progressive base. Because a lot of that progressive base is saying, hey, these taxes aren't, you know, they're especially not hitting oil and gas as hard as we would like to see. Um, so I, I think it's going to be kind of interesting. I, I think about the Democrats, I'm not sure what election pressure they're facing as a whole, with the exception of, you know, maybe one or two members like, like Munson. Well, certainly, and if you get out, get out in the rural areas mm -hmm. uh, and find a more conservative Democrat, uh, they may feel pressure from their base uh, or from their from their electorate from their constituents to not raise their taxes yeah. uh, more conservative parts of the state um, and um, you know I I don't know for sure which Democrat is the most vulnerable mm -hmm. uh, I guess we'll see come uh, November but um, the uh, I think the, the the more important political calculation uh, for Democrats right now uh, if they're making one is um, can, you know, can can we spin our disapproval of these tax increases into, or what what can we do to uh, to to gain more seats to uh, gain the governor's office? And if the, if the state isn't still in shambles when November comes, uh, then you know we'll have done our job, so to speak. Um, that that may be what people are thinking. Yeah. Well, well, last year's leader of the Democratic caucus in the House, Scott, Scott Inman, mm -hmm. is no longer running the show. Right. Any sense of how, you know, a change in, in leadership, has, has that changed at all? You feel like, you know, you know, the organization, the message, just, you know, the energy of, of the Democratic We're not, we're not having as many press conferences. That's true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think uh, the, the uh, where the Democrats stand is pretty much the same. Uh, I, I don't see much of a shift in the in the policies. Uh, they still support um, the proposals that they introduced um, a, a year ago in the Restore Oklahoma plan. Mm -hmm. um, and they, when they talk about increasing uh, taxes on oil and gas, they talk about seven percent, and they're willing to go down to five. Um, and so, not a lot has changed as far as what the Democrats uh, supposedly will. Uh, support. Uh, what we have seen is maybe a less vocal, um, a less hard-driving Democratic caucus in the public eye.
Yeah. Well, we're, we're talking about Democrats because they're crucial to you know a, a tax increase measure passing. Right. But so are Republicans. Yes. And uh, it sounds like they're they're still going to need to be an increase in Republicans that are supporting this. I mean, you talked about some of those rural areas not wanting to increase their taxes. You know, I also think about some of these rural areas that are maybe a lot more pro wind energy. Mm-hmm. A lot of these agriculture communities where they've really seen those make a big difference. In fact, we saw you know one group kind of come out in, in support of uh, of Lamb for governor. You know, this week. I mean, so there's it's. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of interest, you know, interests are different depending on where you are in the state. And, and right now in rural Oklahoma, it seems like that's that's a big battle right now. Yeah, and especially in western Oklahoma, you have, in uh, uh, southern Oklahoma, you have lawmakers who have uh, wind projects in their area. And, and they've, uh, you know, they talk about the benefits to their local uh, economy and their local tax base because of having these projects. And uh, for the most part, uh, if, you are, if you are a legislator with uh, a big wind farm in your district, yeah, you're, you're going to be a little bit upset at these uh, taxes that are being uh, proposed. Yeah, uh, on the windage industry. Yeah, well, just like we talk about with oil and gas, it's it's. I think it's it's really easy, especially in a state like Oklahoma, for oil and gas companies to um, to convince mm-hmm. communities that something that hurts them is going to hurt you, even if these communities, you know, even if the person isn't directly employed in oil and gas. I mean, we talk about some of the cities. I mean, you know, you're familiar with some of these West Oklahoma towns where the impact of energy of oil and gas is present. And I think for a lot of Oklahomans, even if they're not employed by one of these companies, there's just a fear of what that ripple effect would look like. And I think the same is true for wind energy, especially when you look at the last decade. I mean, the presence of wind has just exploded in a lot of places. And you could argue it's a lot more visible in some ways, just right. by the fact that these are these, ty- these giant towers <laughs> that are, you know, Know, encircling towns in some places, um, and we've seen some schools that have kind of used wind energy as a way to survive, uh, yeah. you know, budget cuts. And so, um, you know, both industries are, are crucial in different parts of the state. And right now, these two industries are really kind of dueling over with each other, you know, over this uh, tax increase package. Right. Yeah. It's uh, um, and, and and I've heard some people say that uh, that the uh, the robustness of the uh, of the debate in trying to get the uh, in trying to end the wind uh, power incentives, and and even uh, enact a new production tax on wind, um, is a uh, is a political move by the oil and gas interests. Um, you know that's that's just sort of the scuttlebutt you hear around mm-hmm. the Capitol. Um, you know because someone's got to you know, find someone to blame for just about everything. Yeah. Um, and you know I've personally been trying to find out you know where where does this uh, sudden renewed interest in the wind industry come from, um, and you know still remains to be seen. Um, what the what the driving force is, uh, other than you know some people just wanting to uh, to end these wind incentives that they say uh, are uh, very lucrative and have been for the last decade. Yeah, you know it's, it's one thing for for lawmakers that are feeling pressure from businesses, they're feeling pressure from lobbyists, they're feeling pressure from from PACs and donors uh, in an election year like this. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of pressure they start kind of um, feeling from. You know, Oklahomans, but kind of organized groups. And I bring that up because on Monday we have, you know, uh, some of these votes are likely to take place. Um, you know, I know a lot of these education associations are really trying to, you know, have a big presence at the Capitol. I mean, I've heard of numbers of as high as 9,000, you know, possibly on Monday. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact that has. Um, you know, and I've talked about this before. I think the step up group, I mean, one of the big gets for them is getting a lot of these education yeah. organizations on board. Not that they would have been against it, but for them to actually sign their name to it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think. 
could be could be pretty could be pretty impactful. In fact, you know, one lawmaker I was talking to is like, you know, the lobbyists have kind of been a pain in some of the other things. But man, you start seeing some teachers at the Capitol. That's mm. that's you know, it starts to make a difference. And the, the teacher pay bill, which is part of the yes. the, the package, passed unanimously mm -hmm. um, yesterday. And I, I don't think that it would uh, if you put it up for a vote. I don't think it would ever have any trouble. But the problem is, is, is that teacher pay raise is tied to the to the revenue that yep. you're going to get in this big um, House Bill 1033. Uh, and uh, so you're going to see that one go up before the uh, the teacher pay increase. Yeah. Well, you know, you've covered the Capitol for a while, and I, I think it's important to, to realize or to point out that, um, I mean, there's a lot of people who I think if Monday comes and the vote fails or it can't pass on Monday, there's going to be a lot of frustrations and probably, you know, a continued feeling among some Oklahomans that, like, you know, this is a mess. Yeah. But if it were to pass on Monday, that's quick. I mm -hmm. mean, that would be kind of unprecedented from what we've, from what we've seen, right? I mean, it, I mean, one, a tax increase, obviously, yes. but getting something of that kind of magnitude, you know, as, or getting a budget, you know, through in, in the first week of the of the session. Even though that's this is part of the second session, but you know, this first kind yeah. of week of of all the attention at the Capitol. I mean, that would still be that's a heavy lift in any year. It, it certainly is, um, and it, it's heavy because everyone kind of took the the Christmas break off, the holiday break, uh, uh, for uh, New Year's, and and uh, you get their kids back in school, and finally we're kind of like ramping up to focus on politics again. Um, but the thing to remember is uh, there's really nothing in this in this bill aside from the the wind production. There's nothing in this bill that lawmakers haven't seen or voted on before. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all been voted. It was voted on in November. Um, and and as, a, as, a, as a policy idea, these aren't new ideas. Um, as, a, as bills, certainly yes. You know, we, we only saw the final versions of these bills a few minutes before the committee started. Um, and so yeah, that's one thing there. And to to get sort of a political victory, f um, sort of this early in session when everyone is focused again on what's happening is important, I think, for the majority. Um, but th these are ideas that are, are well worn. Yeah, and and if if, there, if if the vote were to fail or if the votes aren't there and they don't bring it to the floor, I mean mm -hmm. that's not the end of this. I mean, right. Yeah. It, this uh, this is being brought up in in special session. Yeah. Um, they, they're having a con concurrent regular session and special session. So JCAB was a special session JCAB meeting. Mm -hmm. um, they can continue uh, special session all the way up until the end of this uh, this legislative session, this legislature, uh, up until the end of the year, really. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, they, they want to get it done as quickly as possible. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, you wrote, I think you wrote earlier this year, or earlier this week, it feels like a year, earlier this week that, I mean, we've seen four sessions so far in the last 12 months. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, been an interesting year in politics. It's been really, really incredible. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, if, if, if this package of bills doesn't pass uh, on Monday or if it isn't brought up, they still have a little bit of time to get something done. Um, really, I, I, I think it kind of boils down to it's just a matter of weeks because what they're trying to do most importantly is fill the uh, the budget hole that's still left in this fiscal year. This fiscal year ends at the end of June. Um, there are three agencies that will run out of money two months shy of the end of the fiscal year. And unless the legislature comes up with some kind of revenue, releases some money, uh, these agencies are going to have to make a decision very quickly on how they're going to spread out the money that they do have mm -hmm. 
to the end of the fiscal year. Yeah. Now, the, 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 uh, the, all of the revenue that was uh, uh, advanced out of committee uh, yesterday uh, doesn't cover all the costs that it would take to fully fund these agencies, to fully fund this fiscal year. Um, however, the appropriations chair said that uh, he has word from Governor Fallon that she would be okay with using one-time money, uh, sort of digging into the couch cushions again, um, if they pass this recurring revenue for next year and the following mm -hmm. years, that she'll be okay with, okay, let's let's also you know, dig into the couch cushions and find enough money just to finish this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, how I mean, how different does it feel at the Capitol this year? I mean, right now. I mean, is it? I mean, how? Like I said, we, I know we've, we're talking about the difference in having a, a vote of this magnitude so early on, but yeah. just kind of politically speaking, there's no excitement. No excitement. None. What, what do you mean by that? Har hardly any excitement. Usually, when when session starts, everyone is uh, sort of eager, ready to go, and looking for um, you know jostling to find their their place in. Uh, in policy and uh, the political eye, uh, everyone still seems really exhausted uh, mm -hmm. from these two special special sessions and the and the inability to really get anything done as far as uh, funding state government on a recurring basis. Uh, and the the enthusiasm that you usually see with um, people excited to present their bills really isn't there because everyone's still so focused on how are we going to make sure that we don't run out of money. Yeah, well you don't even have that kind of built in of having you know, a new freshman class too. We're not yeah. coming off an election year, sometimes you have you know, wide-eyed new lawmakers coming mm -hmm. in that don't know any better maybe, so they're right. still excited, but not, I mean, with the exception of a couple that have won some special elections yeah. this year. Uh, so that's interesting. I, you know, it, kind of, it, it did kind of feel that way, I thought, on Monday. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had, you know, the state of the state felt rather you know, pretty normal, I mean, in terms of just the atmosphere of it. Um, I mean, we did see some hecklers and some, you know, booing back and <laughs> forth between the, the governor. It feels like the governor booed back. Is that right? Did you see that? I, I didn't see that. I, KOSU reported that, and it's our I, we don't have video, right? Just, but, you know, you had the, the, you had the group with the banner, and then you had another woman that was yelling, and it, it looks like she responds audibly in some way. Anyways. Well, I'll uh, take a look at that. Kind of the state of Oklahoma, right? <laughs> Oklahomans are booing the governor. The governor's booing them. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, you're right. Um, it really feels like here we go again Yeah. at the Capitol. But when we were, you know, we, you know, a few hours after the speech and, and we, were, we were doing kind of our state of the state, uh, you know, breakdown uh, episode. And um, I remember just like, it just felt empty. Like, it did, I don't know if people yeah. cleared out quicker. There just mm -hmm. wasn't a lot of people hanging around. It just, you're right. I mean, it just kind of seems like it, it's, it hasn't been that exciting of a, of a start to the, I mean, exciting if you're, you know, you know, a political wonk and, you know, really wanting to, you know, follow some, some drama. Yeah. Um, but not if you're, you know, if you are someone who actually enjoys the legislative process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it feels like another slog um, through, uh, politics and, le and the legislative session. Uh, uh, I'm kind of speaking for myself, but I think it's true for a lot of people that um, in, until there is some kind of uh, fix to the budget, until the legislature can move on, um, it's it's going to be a real um, sort of emotional drain on people. Yeah. Um, who uh, who would probably rather focus on policy. Um, than uh, how much, uh, how, how the state's going to raise money. Yeah, this is usually kind of how it feels in May, right? Yeah. Um, and even, you know, yesterday when people, you know, I was, you know, following along on, on Twitter and so many people were tracking 
the vote. I'm like, you don't normally see that in the first. I mean, this is the time for, like I said, that excitement, <laughs> for crazy bills, for us to be talking about bills that have no chance. Um, but you get a lot of attention anyways. Um, you know, you get a chance to talk to a lot of the activists, you know, on yeah. all these kind of sides. And we're, we're, being, we're being cheated out of that experience. That's <laughs> what it feels like. But important work, important work to do. Um, is there anything else going on besides the budget right now? I mean, I know there, you know, I know there's lots of bills have been filed, obviously, but is there anything of importance that people are talking about or focusing on? Or is it really right now? This is uh, yeah, criminal justice is uh, still a big topic and uh, um, something that uh, is going back to, I wouldn't say going back to the drawing board, uh, but is, uh, is kind of in limbo right now. Uh, there were a number of criminal justice measures, uh, criminal justice reform measures, um, that have the goal of reducing the prison population mm-hmm. through through various means, either reducing the number of people going into prison or um, making uh, like sort of loosening the rules on on letting some uh, people who are in prison and who will be for a long time uh, sort of easing them back out into the community. And um, those bills are uh, were kicked back to the conference committee. Uh, conference committee is uh, where. Bills go when the House and Senate can't agree on language, and uh, there are some uh, advocates who are really worried that because these bills are going back into the conference committee where they can be amended, that they're going to be watered down in some way. Yeah. So uh, we'll be watching uh, to see what comes out of conference committee, if anything. Uh, it's very possible that these bills could simply uh, disappear. Um, I don't think that'll happen. But um, the end result could be that, that what people thought uh, was going to pass last year with criminal justice reform might be something very different uh, when these bills do uh, eventually come back up for a vote. Yeah, well, when we talked about it on, on Monday and, and found State of the State address, I mean, clearly the biggest applause line was, you know, yes. we're talking about uh, transitioning from, you know, a tough on crime to a smart on crime approach. She said that we're warehousing yeah. men and women and parents and people with mental illness and people with drug addiction. And uh, her pointing that out really sort of caught the, uh, the attention of lawmakers who might have been sitting on their hands and they all, uh, for the most part, jumped up and applauded her. Yeah, and, and quite widely and, and, and bipartisan in ways. And I think, you know, we've talked before about, you know, just going back, you know, three, four or five years ago, how hard it would be to believe then that we'd be in a year now where, you know, so many, you know, Republican lawmakers were willing to vote for a tax increase, even though we haven't seen that magic number yet of 76, or at least a combined number uh, that reaches 76. Um, I think the same could be true a little bit about um, uh, uh, criminal justice. Yeah, criminal re- re- I mean, Republicans are now for raising taxes and letting people out of jail. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. Interesting, interesting times <laughs> in Oklahoma, and it'll continue to be interesting. Um, we, uh, Justin Wingerter, um, who's on the federal beat, is out of town. We may have tried to Skype with him this week if the federal government shutdown had prolonged more than it was, but uh, most people went to bed with the budget and t- with a funded government and woke up with a funded government. So <laughs> last night's uh, 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 budget uh, or government closer, closing uh, didn't last very long. Yeah, I wasn't following it directly, but I noticed that uh, occasionally when I would check news, it would say... Um, 
uh, a, a deal is moving forward, the government's going to not shut down. And then I, I check 20 minutes later, though the government's going to shut down. Yeah. And then you check a little bit later on, oh, everything's okay. They've found yeah. a deal. I know the government's, government's going to shut down. I, I couldn't even imagine being on Capitol Hill, uh, being in Washington, D.C., um, covering that. I mean, we, we, we found a uh, we've had a little bit of that here, yeah. uh, especially with the late night uh, committee meetings uh, toward the end of session last year. But uh, it's really incredible uh, how down to the line that these incredibly yeah. important uh, uh, fund funding bills go at the con in Congress. Yeah. Well, well, Congress got it done last night. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in this kind of we, we talk about the comparisons between D.C. and Oklahoma government quite a bit and in the race for dysfunction or, or, um, or to not be dysfunctional. Right now, I think Washington, D.C. has the upper hand a little bit. Come out of heck. And a week where, you know, Fallon mentioned her state of state. We don't want to be like D.C. Well, D.C. got their, they has got their budget, so Oklahoma, it's your move now. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in the coming days. Looking at you, Oklahoma. Yeah. So, well, uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. It's good to just to chat with you, Dale. Like I said, like yeah. old times, all you know, all the way, all the way back a year ago yeah. <laughs> when we launched this, <laughs> when we launched this show. Um, well, we'll be back next Friday. Um, will be something to talk about, whether or not it's a uh, passage of a uh, tax increasing measures to fund the government or another stalled attempt. Uh, Dale, we'll uh, we'll have you back on to, to talk about how that goes, and we'll continue to follow you. Um, at News OK and in the Oklahoman to see how things go. Well, for the Oklahoman with Dale, I'm Ben. This has been Political State. We will see you again next week.